0: And now, courtesy of the 11L Network, it's LF Midwood. LF Midwood. And the Midwood Files. With the LF Midwood Experience. Here on Radio New York International. International. My name is LF Midwood. Uh, it's been a it's been a week, uh, maybe a little bit less than a week. Uh, so I'm I'm back, <laughs> trying to remain consistent. And it's it's not as easy as one might think, you know, because you gotta in order to do this, you kind of get gotta get your head into a certain place. And you know, I'm always uh, I'm always amazed with people who stream on a on a regular basis. You know, some of the people that I watch on Rumble. Um, six and hammer six, 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 uh, I mean, Monday through Friday, he's, he's live streaming pretty consistently. Um, and, uh, he's back in the U S now. So he's actually looking to get on a little bit more of a regular, regular schedule. Cause he was in, uh, he was in Netherlands uh, for the longest time. Uh, and, uh, Scott Adams, uh, another one just every day, just, you know, and to me, The idea of creating content, like, every single day would be, like, nightmarish, I guess, you know. Uh, So, just to be able to get back and stay on a weekly schedule uh, is going to be somewhat of a challenge for me. uh, But it's something, again, that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I did have the opportunity to speak to to John this week to, uh, to let him know that he could start plugging that I'm back. Uh, at least um, uploading content at the moment. may not be live, but I, I told him I'm definitely um, uploading content to Uh, uh the audio, and uh, the video, of course, can be found uh, at Rumble. Uh, I don't know whether he'll plug Rumble, but I you know he'll plug my site, and I think I'll start figuring out how to incorporate Rumble into my site. I think I can embed... Uh, you know, my only... And I don't know if this is technical minutia, but my only hesitancy uh, in, in embedding the Rumble video in my uh, website is uh, Rumble going away for some unknown or unforeseen reason. And there being a lot of dead stuff, <laughs> dead posts, I guess you will, uh, or links that don't lead anywhere from my post uh, to what was Rumble. Uh, being there, so I I think most likely what'll happen is is um I'll just post audio up on my site, and I'll have links to Rumble on my sidebar, so that they're easily um accessible. Uh, under I I don't even remember what my site looks like entirely. I I'm I'm guessing I have side links, <laughs> and I'm guessing on those links um. I can put um, a permanent link, uh, and I think the API, I think the Rumble API will let me um, either um, I can just put video, and if I'm live, which I will be eventually, um, it'll it'll show it'll you know open up in Rumble. You don't need to register or nothing. And uh, if I'm not live, it'll show whatever the last show that I uploaded was uh, to Rumble. So. Uh, anyway, with Slice It, um, I should be able to accomplish having both audio and video available. Um, there is a possibility, because you know some people just go to the website uh, and don't want to go to somewhere like Rumble. Uh, there is a possibility that I might start to upload uh, the video uh, to my website, but only for a week and then replace it so that I'm not accumulating these large video files at my web host. Audio files, not that big of a deal, Uh, but video files, uh, they can take up space. And uh, I just recently went through this thing over the summer where my web host um, like pretty much doubled their price. Uh, And it was, it's, it's like, holy smokes, what happened? You know? And I guess resources are becoming more and more uh, valuable Uh, To these hosts. uh, Not so much bandwidth. I think the bandwidth myth got crushed with COVID because I think um, so many people were, you know, soaking up so much bandwidth uh, for various purposes, whether it be streaming video or streaming, you know, doing webcam stuff from, uh, you know, work from home or whatever the hell was going on. People had a lot more downtime and they were playing with their phones and their computers and, and, and there was no quote unquote bandwidth rush. You know, there was no shortage, uh, supply chain issue with bandwidth, um, space, however, meaning space for storage is a bit of a different story. Uh, but what I did was, is I looked around and, uh, my web host now, when you open up an account with them, even if you open up quote unquote, a business account, which is probably the largest, their largest offering. Um, they only, uh, they only give you 40 gigabytes of, of server storage, meaning, Whatever your website is and however many files you have, um, it can only be 40 gig. Right. Um, and uh, my plan, even though it got doubled from what it was, uh, is still grandfathered in at a terabyte, which is obviously far more than 40 gig. So I thought I'd look around. Not that I want to move my website anytime soon, but I thought I'd look around and see if there was any, um, you know, what was what was competitive these days, and uh, the vast majority of hosts, if not all of them, are they're they're greatly reduced the amount of space they make available for storage, and in, in that forty gig range, in, in about the same range as my host, so there would be no admin, uh, advantage in in moving. Um, the only advantage I have at the moment, like I said, is that my plan was grandfathered, so uh, as long as I keep paying them. I should be able to keep my uh, my specs in my space. Uh, if that changes, then I'll have to figure something out. Um, you know, uh, my all three. There's two websites actually hosted uh, at that host um, on the same account: uh, the producer's website and my website. And they both have audio files, and uh, you know, when I'm pumping out audio on a regular basis, um, it's it's not as bad um, as video. Video takes up a hell of a lot of space, um, which is like why I'm using uh, somewhere like Rumble uh, to uh, to do video. And uh, I like the exposure that Rumble gives me. I think, again, Rumble is, is for the most part, it's I'm in my element uh, far more than, say, somewhere like, um, I'm tapping on this, you're hearing something, that's me being stupid, um, far more than, say, somewhere like YouTube, uh, where I, you know, couldn't say certain things. I probably couldn't say certain things that I would be inclined to on Rumble, but I know there are definitely certain things I couldn't say on YouTube. Uh I think uh, you know, Rumble would be a, a bit more forgiving. Uh so I uh um you know it's it's just a matter of, of, of how I'm am breaking down content. Uh, what I may start to do is I may uh start because those of you who again just go to LFmidwood.com I may start to make the video available and just put the newest show uh, in the newest post and then delete it and replace it with the most current show. So new show, link to the new show. And then next week, new show, link to the next, you know, to the newest show, replacing the previous week's show. So I only am rotating out one big ass video file. Um, I'm probably going to start doing that. Yeah. I would like to be able to use music, but I can't do that in a rumble setting uh, due to copyright. So unless I go back to strictly doing video on my website, which I don't foresee doing anytime in the super near future, I, um, I'm i not going to be using music. It'll be strictly be a talk show, which is which is, you know, the vast majority of people who tune in, tune in. To, to listen to me, Amber, for whatever reason. um, You know, the music, it, to me, I like to use things contextually, so there is a certain quote-unquote artistic aspect to it, of course. Uh, and it also gives me a break from talking. and allows me to stop, uh, even if it's, you know, for 10 minutes, uh, because uh, this can be exhausting, uh, depending upon how much prep that I put into doing it. Uh, beforehand, um, sometimes arrive tired, as they say. Yeah. Uh, but by far and large, it it's the con. It's you know me talking news and current events, uh, and an opinion on uh, on on said news current events. That that really is is what people are are uh, showing up for. So you're getting that, even if I'm not using music. And who knows, I may do a separate music show sometime during the week uh, or on the weekend. I don't really know. You know, it would be more work for me. So I'm not even quite sure that I, I want to do that. I I would rather concentrate on one effort and have that effort be the best effort it can be than spread myself over two different shows um, that... Um, might not have a whole lot to do with each other I'm not sure I'm still kind of feeling it out I, I'm like I said it, the biggest thing is to get back into a groove uh and with the expectation of coming out and uh and doing things and uh not having uh, any issues uh as far as uh getting tired in the middle of the damn thing or having some sort of medical emergency I mean I guess anything's possible right now. <laughs> I am getting old, <laughs> so uh, I do have some news that I want to get to in in a little bit. But I I uh, I got the chance to see a couple of uh, movies uh, in the last couple of weeks that I hadn't been able to see uh, because it took them a little while to reach uh, home video platforms. Uh, first movie was Barbie and uh i mean obviously ginormously successful um, reasonably well done uh for uh for what it was uh massively appealing uh, i think it led the box office uh, as far as uh friggin uh box office earnings uh for the summer uh i really don't have anything bad to say about it uh, the uh multi multicultural aspect has been in the Barbie toy line for like ever. You know, uh, Mattel figured out a long time ago that um, they need a, a wider base if they plan on making money um, from little brown girls and little black girls and little yellow girls and every basically every little girl that's not white did that a long time ago. I don't see a problem with it. Um, the acting was fine. You know, I think it. Not for nothing, uh, Gosling's like okay, you know. Uh, Margot Robbie, I think, is a great actress. I think, um, friggin' uh, Barbie was, you know, dumbing her down to a, a pretty large degree. And, uh, I like Rhea Perlman and, you know, obviously, um, friggin' uh, what's his name, Ron Burgundy, there, you know, pretty brilliant. Good, entertaining movie. I, I I think its success has more to do with its appeal to say the Gen Xers, and uh, I got I'm like looking at. See, I watch myself because I'm vain. I'm an Aries, and I'm vain, so I I am monitoring myself on my tablet screen as I'm recording this, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm like. I want to keep my beard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's starting to get into like, uh, like caveman proportions. I think, and uh, part of me is like, just trim it, and the other part of me is just like, how long can I get this beard? You know what will it look like? And I need a haircut too, by the way. But I so I, I feel kind of shaggy. I feel a little fuzzy. Okay, I <laughs> feel a little fuzzy, and it's distracting me. I'm literally distracting myself, which is really funny because I was concerned about the cat in the door distracting me, but I'm actually distracting myself. So I'm going to try not distract myself. Maybe I should just do the rest of the show on my eyes closed, but, you know, it's not going to work. Uh, so, yeah, overall, you know, like I said, it was it was okay. I, I don't think it was, was worth all the, you know, success. <laughs> I don't think it... It wasn't that much. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to see uh, Oppenheimer, uh, which I'd been wanting to see since uh, I saw the ads for that while I was uh, still in, uh, in a hospital and rehab. So I was looking, uh, looking very much forward to it. Um, I like uh, Christopher Nolan as a director. Um, I think uh, he did a... a a very good job and uh bat i think it was batman begins he did i think that was his one. see just right here just i think i'm just gonna bring a brush out next time and i'll brush myself while i, <laughs> while I do my freaking show <laughs> anyway uh so yeah i like christopher nolan and um the story is um uh, i think w- one of the important stories ever i mean as far as like you know mankind goes uh two accomplishments, uh, you know, splitting the atom and going to the moon, I think are the pinnacle of human endeavors. And, uh, the reason that we, you know, the story behind both those obviously is great, is, is amazing. You know, the space race with the Soviets and whatnot, uh, being ginormous in regards to, uh, from Kennedy in 63 saying we will go to the moon to actually arriving in 69, uh, you know, six, seven, let's round it to seven years later. Uh, while there are those who don't believe we ever went to the moon, I, I beg to differ. I believe we did go to the moon. Um, if there was any cheating, I would say maybe we didn't go in 69, but a couple of those later Apollo missions we definitely went. I don't, I don't have any, and I, and I'm not saying we didn't go in 69, but if, if there were any shenanigans, that would have been, where the shenanigans would have occurred. Uh, and as far as the splitting of the atom, uh, someone was going to do it. It was only a matter of time. The, The Germans had been playing with that on and off, uh, for a while. Uh, once we took up the mantle, meaning the United States, uh, it was only going to be a matter of time. Uh, I would rather uh, we have done it than the Germans or the Japanese or anyone else. Quite frankly, um, during that time period, the you know the reason being is because well, we're the good guys. Uh, may not seem like it all the time, but I still view the United States uh, as the good guys. I know I was up on uh, up on Reddit and uh, I was on one of the subreddits, I forget which one and somebody from Europe posed the question, you know, does the United States really think they won World War Two? and uh, you know, I sit there and I'm like, I marvel that 75 years after World War II, uh, that there can't Seemed to be some sort of balanced Understanding That uh the Soviets And the Brits Uh and the French Uh and the Americans Would not have been able to defeat The Germans alone that it was A combined effort Uh of said Of said powers Uh to make that happen Uh I know uh When uh, friggin um What's his name uh Uh, the dude who did JFK, uh, I know he put out, there was some sort of lefty, liberal, commie bullshit thing that he put out that gave the the Soviets an an exorbitant amount of credit. Uh, It was a miniseries or something. And I, I watched like 20 minutes of the first one and I was like, fuck this shit. I mean, that's, you know, just not how, no, no. You know, and anybody who thinks that the United States exclusively was responsible for defeating Nazi Germany, uh, is seriously mistaken as well. Well, you know, the Japanese we pretty much fought on our own, you know, and you know, that again leads me back to the to the bomb, you know, in Oppenheimer. Uh, the idea of, uh, I don't have any doubt that the bomb and dropping the bomb on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and threatening to drop it on Japan next. Uh, is what beat the uh, Japanese, obviously, into submission and surrendering. Uh, If we had uh, needed to do a land invasion of the island, or islands, I guess, uh, of Japan, uh, the loss of human life, uh, just on the American side, would have been ginormous. I mean, it it would have been ginormous. And if we could have avoided that, and Truman said, hey, we could avoid that, let's do this, let's use this new superweapon, uh, and, um, I don't know. It's hard to say studies are still being done for Christ's sakes. It's hard to say, you uh, know, I think, um, uh, safe to say a couple hundred thousand Japanese have died between those who died instantly and then later died of radiation poisoning and then have died of, uh, you know, their prodigy who have died of complications, uh, from radiation poisoning, um, I don't know if it's safe to say that um, more Japanese would have died in a land invasion than died as a result of those two bombs. I'm not really sure. But my concern is not for the Japanese. Uh, Again, I think American lives are worth more than any other lives. I think the least American life is worth more than any other life. And I'll, I'll maintain that until the day I die. Uh, perhaps uh, it's uh, American exceptionalism on steroids, if you will. I, mean, I don't know what to say, <laughs> but uh, it's a fascinating, again, a fascinating story. Uh, there's several books available on it. Uh, I know that there was a uh, Manhattan Project TV series that was done by one of the cable networks a couple, few years ago. I think it ran for about two seasons, and it concluded with the testing and, uh, at Trinity. Um, or the Trinity Tests, I should say, at uh White Sands in uh, New Mexico. Um, good stuff. I mean, you know, Oppenheimer obviously focused more on uh his personal life, on, on Oppenheimer's personal life. Uh, very com- complex, complicated individual. Um, it's usually that way with uh, with brilliant people. The eyebrows just went up. <laughs> uh, it's the way it is, you know. So I definitely got more out of Oppenheimer, uh, than I did, uh, Barbie, you know, um, I still have, uh, don't have any issues with, with Oppenheimer being shut out, uh, and losing his security clearance, uh, due to his political, uh, sympathies, uh, with the Communist Party. I, you know, more and more as time goes by, uh, McCarthy's been proven correct in regards to the amount of communists and communist sympathizers that were in government in the in the 40s and the 50s. Um, so that being said, you know, but, uh, as, you know, as a human being, yeah, you know, obviously a very, very interesting person and uh, I think his, his politics is just one aspect of, of the diamond that he was. So, uh, the third movie, uh, and I think uh, Barbie did, uh runaway better than anything else at the box office as far as uh tickets went, you know, uh, as far as uh, money, dollars. And I think Oppenheimer did really well as well too. Might I come in second. Mm-hmm. Uh the third movie that I had the chance to see that I'd been wanting to see um was The Sound of Freedom. And that's the movie about um the uh, DHS agent who opts to uh to quit his job. And uh, I guess initially uh, goes looking for uh, a, uh, a little girl. Uh, they, I, I think the, the crux of the story is, is that um, they find a little boy uh, who was trafficked. They find him uh, coming back over the border with someone. And while this little boy is in custody, um, he starts talking about his sister who was also trafficked, was kidnapped and trafficked. Um, they were kidnapped and trafficked together and uh the father comes from mexico to get the son and in the process of meeting the father gets more information more detail about um the little girl and decides that he's going to quit his job and go looking for this little girl and uh he eventually finds the little girl and and bring, excuse me um brings her home to her father and her brother uh but he also um finds uh winds up finding a lot of other children and and bringing them home um or at least bringing them out of out of uh sexual slavery um and uh it's a true story and um you know to contrast it against like something like barbie i'm like why would you even fucking bother to make a movie like barbie when there's such an incredible story as sound of freedom to be told but uh even though it did well, and it did well within the context of what it cost to make versus what it generated as far as revenue, um, it still uh, paled in comparison to public awareness and public consciousness uh, of the subject matter. And it's basically always been that way. For, For whatever reason it is, you know, sexual trafficking... Has just been one of those things. That the American public just doesn't want to. They don't want to hear about it. You know. If we don't talk about it. it, It's not happening. And it's the farthest thing from the truth. You know. Um, Friggin president. Friggin grandpa. And these uh, open borders. uh, Are. A invitation. For the cartels. To traffic. uh, Young People. Minors and and obviously adults as well too, and um, they just keep coming, just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring, and uh, and we don't we don't do anything about it, you know. Uh, I have a couple of stories actually, uh, and I found the uh, I found the acting in the in the movie to be, you know, pretty decent, not for nothing, and uh, I think of the three, it 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 was it was the piece. Of film that I felt um, the most glad that I had seen. Uh, being someone who's talked about and covered um, sexual trafficking for years and years now. Um, to see uh, a small independent studio uh, produce a great story um, you know, it, it was very gratifying, it was very gratifying, and it, and it, it just hit a very warm and fuzzy spot, um, and again, you can't save them all, but just to see any of them saved, you know, and just to see someone in government go, hey, something needs to be done, and, and then go and spend Time away from his own family, his own kids, because he had to go months and years, um, in some instances, uh, undercover with great risk to his life, uh, in order to uh, make contact and uh, with these traffickers, and even have access uh, to be able to uh, have these children come out. You know, and in some cases, um, the uh, Mexican government. Uh, wound up being more helpful than the United States government. Go figure. I mean, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure how to process that, but it's true. Uh, but it's a great story. And of the three movies, if you're only going to watch one of the three movies that I just mentioned, I would, I would watch The Sound of Freedom um, and uh, then Oppenheimer and then Barbie. If you've got nothing better to do, <laughs> you know, uh, that would be me. You Know everybody's uh, everybody's kind of different, and uh, let me check this uh, here, okay, great. So, I got some news. Um, let's see. First thing is, yeah, let me talk about because I'm talking about Sound of freedom right now. So, let me this is uh, the Washington Examiner, uh, and this was dated, this is a little, little dated, got a little dust on it. Uh, this was July 24th, uh, 2023. And uh, this is um, the Washington Examiner, Paul uh, Bedard. And uh, the Sound of Freedom has continued its success at the box office and its third weekend of release, despite steep competition from two major films released on Friday. The small budget film detailing the true story of how former Homeland Security agent Tim Ballard quit his DHS job and risked his life to journey into the jungles of Colombia in an effort to save children from sex slavery, held strong at the box office over this weekend, earning approximately $20 million over a three-day period. The film's performance this weekend is only slightly less than last weekend when it earned $27 million, according to a report. Um, Sound of Freedom is continuing its unbelievable ride. Uh, Brandon Purdy, the head of theatrical distribution at Angel Studios, said in a statement... um, to the Washington Examiner. Word continues to spread and crowds are continuing to show up, which is how the film ended up doing more business in its third weekend than its first. As we begin to look forward to the international box office, Angel Studios intends to continue to push here at home. We want every American to see this landmark film. In total, Sound of Freedom has made just under $125 million at the box office since its 4th of July release, according to the studio. The film's continued box office success comes amid the release of highly promoted films, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbie, the PG-13 film based on the popular children's toy line, grossed a record $155 million at the box office over the weekend, which the latter and R. Uh, rated biopic on J. Robert Oppenheimer grossed roughly $80 million. Former President Donald Trump hosted a screening of Sound of Freedom on Wednesday night at his golf course in New Jersey with producer Eduardo uh, Vizzerstagulli? <laughs> I'm killing that. Sorry, sir. Um, lead actor Jane, uh, Jim Car- Carvelzi I always get that wrong, too and former Homeland Security agent Tim Boward and his wife uh, were in attendance. After watching the film, Trump made a new campaign promise um, to use uh, Title 42, a policy enacted under the Trump administration that allowed border agents to expel uh, immigrants without granting them asylum hearing. To end the child trafficking crisis by returning all, trafficking children, all trafficked children to their families and their home and countries without delay. Uh, under my leadership, we did more than any other administration in history to combat human trafficking and to end modern-day slavery, Trump said, citing the Frederick Douglass Trafficking Victims Prevention and Protection Reauthorization Act, the Abolish Human Trafficking Act, and other ex- Executive orders around the topic. Okay, Trump encouraged his supporters to watch the Sound of Freedom. Um, yeah, and there are a lot more busts. Um I don't know if anybody pays attention anymore, but uh there are a lot more uh busts and, of traffic and rings uh under Trump's watch, you know, President Trump's watch, uh than I've heard about under Joe Biden's watch, and it's the same media reporting it. And believe me, this is the media who hardly had anything good to say about President Trump. uh so Joe Biden just sits there with his with his thumb up his ass. You know, in a certain way, he reminds me of Nero with the, um, you know, playing the fiddle while burned. while Rome burned? Um, there's no actual evidence that Rome uh, that Nero did that, but it's obviously a popular, uh visual. uh so yeah, sound of freedom. Check that out uh, if you get the chance. Uh, and like I said, that was a dated article. Uh, what else do I have? Uh, let's see. Do I have anything else involving President Trump? I know. Um, I think Watch McCall got bounced. Um, one of the uh, one of the uh, things to move him off the ballot uh, got bounced. Uh, I forget which state. I think it was today. Um, I know uh, Colorado is still doesn't is, is still planning on not having him on the uh, the uh, ballot, but um, I believe that case is going to go to the Supreme Court. Um, and uh, it's largely groundless. Uh, they're claiming uh, the fact that he was engaged in insurrection uh, as a reason for removing him from the ballot, uh, but he's never been uh, convicted. Uh, in a court, either congressionally or any other court of sedition or insurrection, uh, those charges have never been, been um, you know, they've, he's never been convicted of them. So how can you remove someone for something that they've never been convicted of? It becomes subjective. It's now the state of Colorado's opinion that he engaged in insurrection. Um, and that's probably not gonna be enough um when the Supreme Court gets a hold of it. So uh the sooner the better, obviously. Uh we have X number of months before the uh before the elections, uh before the general elections. So uh, you know, fuck Colorado. No, for no, no, no. Let's see, what else do I have here? Uh, Uh, Democrats, Republicans spar over rational for House GOP effort to impeach Mayorkas at first hearing. Okay, so this ties into the border as well. Uh, This is uh, just the news I'm reading this from. Homeland Security Committee Chairman Mark Green, a Republican out of Tennessee, said at the first impeachment hearing for Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on Wednesday, that there isn't a reasonable alternative to pursuing impeachment, given the Secretary's handling of the border crisis. Yeah. Um, Green said that there have been 6.7 million encounters with migrants at the southwest border alone under the Biden administration. That is a ginormous number. In addition to these catastrophic numbers, there are are a record 1.8 million known gotaways who have entered the country on Secretary Mayorka's watch. Individuals that border patrol agents know slip across the border, but are not apprehended in large because cartels overwhelm the agents with large groups of coyotes, paid and escort uh, and paid to escort uh, escorted migrants. I'm screw that sentence up. Green said uh, Biden's policies, such as cession release, are being exploited by the cartels. Yet Mayorkas has not changed course. According to Green, the Biden administration's detention policy has been released unless there's a compelling reason not to. He said that the committee has been told that the release rate is 85%. The Biden administration does not publicly disclose statistics on how many illegal immigrants it released from the border. Ranking member Bernie Thompson, a Democrat from Mississippi, described the hearing as a political stunt. He argued that the Republicans think impeaching Mayorkas will help them hold hold the majority. Austin Nutson, Attorney General of Montana, Genter um, Drummond, Attorney, Attorney General uh, Attorney General of Oklahoma, and Andrew Bailey, Attorney General of Missouri, recommended at hearing that Congress impeach Mayorkas. Nutson said that the fentanyl crisis is taking a toll on his state, and the Biden administration has done enough, hasn't done enough to stop it from coming over the border. Uh, Frank O. Bowman, Professor Emeritus of Law at the University of Missouri School of Law, was the Democrats' witness at the hearing. Bowman said disagreement with the administration's policies wouldn't warrant impeaching a cabinet official. Republicans disagreed with that position, arguing that Mayorkas is not securing the border, which is part of his duty as Secretary of Homeland Security Department. Republican or Representative August Fluger, our, our Republican of Texas, said Mayorkas has not been able to explain to the committee why his department's policy is for detaining suspected terrorists. Uh, what is his, depo- his department's policy for detaining suspected terrorists who are encountered at the border? That's a whole other thing. Not for nothing. As far as uh, who's coming in um from other parts of the world, there's uh, Chinese nationals coming in. There's people coming in from the Middle East. Uh, there's all sorts of people coming over that border um, that may uh, be security risks, you know, as far as terrorists go. And that's a whole other separate issue from the from the trafficking of both people and drugs. Uh, you know, at the previous hearing, New Yorkers did not say if he, if suspected terrorists caught at the border were deported. Fluger said that the committee still has not been informed of the status of suspected terrorists encountered at the border. So they don't, it's like, what do you do with suspected terrorists when you get them at the border? Ooh, ooh, ooh. So anyway, there's a reason that we're having this hearing. He said he couldn't explain his policy. How do you not explain your policy? How do you not have a policy in place to deal with said instances? Defending the GOP effort to impeach, oops, Mayorgas, Fluger argued that the Secretary hasn't secured the national uh, nation against terrorism, criminal gangs, fentanyl, or other national security threats. Well, there you go. So, yeah, he should be gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, what do I got next? Okay, this I found kind of interesting. Uh, federal judge rules Alabama, and this is from AL.com, federal uh, judge rules Alabama's nitrogen execution of Kenneth Smith can go forward. Yeah, I'm a big fan of capital punishment. Um, a And not because it's a deterrent. Believe me, the vast majority of, of people who commit murder are under the assumption that they're going to be able to get away with it. And the fact that, that we kill murderers, has it's never been an effective deterrent, you know? It's not like, oh, I shouldn't kill somebody because they're going to catch me and kill me. No, everybody thinks they're going to get away with murder, you know? And they just don't. I just don't see the point in uh housing and feeding someone for 20 years or 25 years, uh, or however long it takes them to croak. I also think the process should be steam uh, streamlined. I don't think a convicted murderer should be on death row for 20 years, uh, it's just. You know, give them the appeal. Give them a the singular appeal. Let it go before whatever level of court. And if it needs to go to the whatever, you know, the state supreme court, that's it. It stops there. I don't think you should have you know murder cases, uh, being determined by the by the supreme court by the you know the uh, supreme court justice of, of the United States. I don't. I think they got better shit to do, quite frankly, <laughs> than to reaffirm that someone who is already convicted of murder should be. Killed. Now, is it murder to kill someone who killed someone else? Yes, it's state shank, state shank, state shank, sanctioned. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> Sanctioned murder. It is. And I have no problem with it. So, anyway, uh, a federal judge today declined to stop Alabama's nitrogen execution set for later this month. Now, why I'm even talking about this really doesn't have too much to do with the case itself, uh, meaning the specifics of the murder that this man committed, but I'm, there might be some information here uh, about that. Uh, it's more in the fashion that they're uh, talking about executing this jack-wise. Um Kenneth Eugene Smith is set to die by suffocation of nitrogen gas sometime between 2 a.m. on Thursday, January 25th, And 6 a.m. on Friday, January 26th, he would be the first inmate anywhere to die in execution using gas. U.S. Supreme Court Judge Austin Huffraker Jr. ordered on Wednesday that some of Smith's claims in his lawsuit can move forward, but denied Smith's request for a preliminary injunction in the case to halt his execution. The judge found that there is simply not enough evidence to find with any degree of certainty or likelihood that execution by nitrogen hypoxia under the protocol is substantially likely to cause Smith's super added pain. Interesting term. I you know and I guess I guess the idea is it is it's he's determined it's not inhumane. Okay. Smith was twice convicted by juries for the murder for hire of Elizabeth Doran Senate, in her home in Colbert County in North Alabama in 1988. See, this dude's with 1988. It's ridiculous how long that this dude's been in the court system and he's already been convicted twice. Anyway, uh, Senator Pastor's wife was beaten and stabbed repeatedly. Smith, who was hired by the victim's husband to commit the slaying, confessed to his role in the crime and has been on death row since 1996. That is wrong. (laughs) Nobody should be on death row that long. Just either the sentence should get commuted to life, which still annoys me because it's murder, or they should just be put to fucking death and get it over with. It's plain and simple. Following the judge's decision, Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall issued a statement, With today's order, Alabama is an important step closer to holding Kenneth Smith accountable for the heinous murder-for-hire slaying of an innocent woman, Elizabeth Sennett, said Marshall. Smith has avoided his lawful death sentence for over 35 years, but the court's rejection today of Smith's speculative claims removes an obstacle in finally seeing justice done. In August, the Alabama Department of Corrections released a redacted version of its protocol— for the new method, it revealed that an inmate would inhale gas through a tiny fitted gas mask. Hmm, no gas chamber. <laughs> I wonder if they refer to it as the gas chamber. Anyway, uh, but that protocol features, as Huff Taker wrote in his Wednesday order, the state's familiar veil of secrecy over its capital, pun- capital punishment procedures. I think they should televise them. Go pay-per-view, man. Generate some revenue. Uh, the state asked the judge to the smith Smiths lawsuit, which focuses on how the nitrogen protocol could expose him to severe pain and hasn't been tested. In the lawsuit that comes after Alabama tried to execute Smith in 2022, but failed after prison officials couldn't finish up setting the intravenous lines used for the lethal injection before time expired on the death warrant. See, once a death warrant is issued, they have to do it within that certain period of time or they need to reset. So, uh, following that execution attempt, Smith sought to block a second attempt to execute him by lethal inju- uh, injection, alleging it would subject him to cruel and unusual punishment, which has been shot down in the courts many times before, by the way. Uh, Smith claimed he was strapped to a gurney and poked with needles for several hours during an unsuccessful attempt to tap his veins. Yeah, me too. <laughs> okay. I spent X number of times with my two months hospital stay, rehab, uh, to the point of I have like permanent scar tissue in my arms. So, uh, and that's, like I said, permanent. Some of that stuff healed up, but some of it didn't. So, shut up. Okay, and I didn't even kill anybody. So, shut up. Shut up and stop whining. All right. Uh, Hufftaker wrote on Wednesday, it's not the loss. It's not lost on the court that Smith vehemently argued for execution by nitrogen in his previous litigation only several months ago when he was scheduled for execution by lethal injection. Oh, that's funny. So He did so under the belief that the ADOC was nowhere near finalizing and issuing a final nitrogen hypoxia protocol. Therefore inmate subjects to nitrogen hypoxia execution is an indifferent indefinite holding pattern while other lethal injection executions went forward interesting uh now that alabama was preparing to carry out his sentence using the method of execution he has consistently declared he prefers the circumstances have changed and uh what was once highly unlikely is now a certainty yeah so he don't dig it so much Uh, Smith's lawyers are challenging several parts of the state's protocol, including the fit of the gas mask that will be used, the seal that could dislodge, and the lack of monitoring impulse oximeters. Hmm. Uh, He suggested several changes to the protocol and suggested carrying out his execution by firing squad. Somebody, please. Uh, It goes without saying that many capital cases come to the federal court system with the preliminary or sole aim of delaying execution indefinitely. Uh, and inherent in many, if not every capital case, is the condemned inmate's goal to altogether avoid a death sentence. Uh, it is human, wrote the judge. Okay, well, take him out. Get rid of him. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, let's see what I got here. Uh, I want to make sure. Uh, I'm going to save that one. And okay, I don't know if I want to go from gas chambers to Jews. Do I? <laughs> Do I want to do that? Okay, I'll put something in between. <laughs> see, not total hearing this. Um, although, while I'm still on the subject of uh, criminal justice, um, uh, Gypsy Rose, what's her name? <laughs> uh, let me make sure. I I was gonna pull a story on this, and then I was like, I'm just gonna, um, just gonna wing it. Yeah, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Mm. Uh, I was going to say Bochard, but I guess Blanchard, uh, she's married now, so she's got uh, some sort of, or is she, yeah, she's she's uh, married now, but she's, I think she's, I don't know if she took her husband's middle name or whatever the fucking story may be, but uh, I wound up, uh, this is when I was still in Providence, because this thing's been out quite some time ago, um, I'm a big, I would say I'm a big true crime Person. I'm interested in true crime. I used to read a fair amount of true crime and I've always i watch documentaries on true crime. I uh watched uh, The Act um with uh Joey King as her and uh friggin uh what's her name uh as her mother um from uh, true romance. Uh I can't think of her name. But uh she she conspired with her then-boyfriend to murder her mother. That's that's the short story. Her mother made her pretend or act as if she was disabled uh, for a good part of her... Uh, well, all of her childhood into, into her adult life. And uh, she wound up hooking up with somebody online. Her mother wasn't able to control that. And this person that she met online... Um, She uh, came to where her and her mother lived and basically murdered her mother uh, so that they could be together, you know. And she wasn't in the room when the murder took place, but she was in the bathroom, apparently cowering in fear. Uh, She was convicted. The boyfriend was convicted. I think he's still in prison. And she was given a 10-year sentence. Uh, This was short of 10 years ago. Apparently, she's been released uh, due to some sort of uh, uh, good behavior situation and or prison overcrowding. She's become quite a celebrity. And uh, I find it, again, this is one of those societal, like, illness things where, uh, and particularly she seems to be a a folk hero amongst the Gen Xers. Um, The woman was convicted of conspiracy to murder her mother. Um. I don't know what to say. How do you? How do you, you know? I don't. I don't understand how someone like that, uh, who's convicted in a court of law, becomes a folk hero. But I think it says more about uh, Gen Z, and this is that Gen Z thing again. It says more about Gen Z than it does about her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just sit there and I'm like, and these Gen Z people ultimately they're going to be the people taking care of us uh Xers you know Gen X still the toughest generation ever um you know world the gen the the greatest generation lived through World War II okay don't get me wrong you lived through a world war uh, you know you, you, even the people at home you know you're eating fucking shoe leather or whatever the, whatever you know you know what I'm saying they also got the most out of social security I'd like to add um but it's Gen Z. You could punch in the fucking face over and over and over again. And we just get the fuck up and smile. I mean, you know, our we, we were adults before we were, you know, adults. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. You Gen Xers know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyway. Uh, so I had a mansion that Gypsy Road Blanchard's out of prison. And and everybody's all, woo, <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. Can't make this shit up. That's my point. You can't make this shit up. Uh, what else do I got? Okay, so I got... The, in the Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself category. I'll take Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself for 200 <laughs> Anyway. Anyway. Um, Jeffrey Epstein, this is off of uh, One American News. Jeffrey Epstein's brother says his suicide seems like a cover-up. And this was Elizabeth Ding. Uh, Volber- Voldemort. 318 on uh, Wednesday. So 318 p.m. During an interview, Mark Epstein, the brother of disgraced financer and sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein, condemned the investigation into his brother's alleged death in 2019, which was determined to be uh, by officials to be a suicide. On Tuesday, Mark was questioned about his demands for further research into Jeffrey's death in an interview, where he asserted the initial inquiry was insufficient and suspicious. In an effort to learn more about what transpired the night, the notorious sex trafficker died, Mark is pushing for access to additional information and police data. Uh, And this is, quote, well, first of all, you're saying that the investigation, it didn't seem to have been much of an investigation at all. That's the real question, Mark said, because things like the EMT and the medical personnel at the hospital, none of them have ever been questioned. And that and they have found that to be odd because they're always questioned, especially in high-profile cases. On August 10, 2019, while awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges, 66-year-old Jeffrey was found dead in his cell at the Manhattan Correctional Center. He was discovered to be dead shortly after 6.30 a.m. and having used an orange bedsheet tied to the cell's bunk to hang himself. Within a week of his death, Jeffrey's death was declared a suicide by police. However, Mark X. Epstein, Epstein, 69, still maintains his own doubts regarding the circumstances surrounding his older brother's death. A medical examiner declared the death to be suicide, necess- necessitating no further inquiry. The Department of Justice later produced a 128-page report concluding that mistakes were made by the prison's staff while blaming Jeffrey's death on long-standing operational challenges uh, within MCC itself, which is, I tell you to God, honest truth, not shocking. Um, have, having been a resident for a little bit, I can tell you that. Uh, having many individuals have, okay, however, many individuals have persistently challenged the police report, reported version of events, including Mark, who is pushing for more information to be publicized including the video footage of Jeffrey's cell block. I only want to look at the facts, but when we consider the facts available, we get more questions. Mark told the press, there appears to have been no inv- investigation once it was ruled a suicide. They saw no reason to dig deeper and it seems like a cover-up. Why I can't find his pre-hospital care report and why I can't find, uh, why I can't get the 911 call, meaning the actual call from from the prison." In addition, Mark took aim at former Attorney General Bill Barr, asserting he claimed his brother's death was a, was a suicide even after a pathologist said that Jeffrey's death showed signs of a homicide. Now, supposedly with initial death certificate saying uh, pending further investigation. It takes weeks to come up with a determination, but yet a few days later, uh, Attorney General Barr says his uh, death wasn't a sui- was a suicide, and it wasn't his position to do that. Mark said. So what he's saying is Barr should not have been announcing it as a suicide or proclaiming it a suicide, um, which is most likely true. Uh, that would have to have gone through the New York City pathologist, which I believe it did. Um, I know the that uh, they hired someone, uh, Baden. I believe who was a pathologist in New York City and a pathologist in Los Angeles County, um, the the famous dude, um, and I believe he was actually called in uh, for a couple of the bigger civil uh, suits um, as far as violation of civil rights um, for um, a couple of these um, black folks who acted stupid and got murdered uh, or got killed uh killed, murdered me. Uh so anyway, but Art Barr admitted um Barr admitted that he had early doubts about Jeffrey's death in the months that followed, but he was ultimately blamed a perfect storm of screw ups, which included multiple ira- irregularities. Wabble wabble with these, <laughs> at the facility where Jeffrey was being held. The irregularities included violent outbursts at the Federal Bureau Prisons, long-term staffing shortages, and alleged neglect on the part of the two officers asked to keep an eye on Jeffrey. I can con- I can understand people immediately whose minds sort of worst-case scenario because it was a perfect storm of screw-ups, Barr told the uh, press in November 2019. Uh, Mark has maintained that he was not included in his brother's will and has nothing to gain from his passing and has been paying for his family's protection since 2019. They had a hearing which uh, was coming up, and this was prior to uh, to the suicide, or to Epstein to being found dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a hearing which uh, coming up a few days after his death to appeal the bail restrictions. Why would Jeffrey kill himself a few days before that hearing? Uh, because if he got out on bail, he'd be out of jail awaiting trial in his house with an ankle monitor. Mark told an investigative journalist, why kill yourself then? If the bail was denied again, then I could understand it, believe me. It would have been easier if the pathologist had come out and said, it looks like suicide, then I could put this whole issue behind me. So yeah, um, definitely one has to wonder about that. But by the same token, uh, a lot of, and I don't have any specifics on it because, um, I know, um, some of the allegations made in these court proceeding thingies that got released, uh, in regards to the Epstein case have been proven to be, um, false, um, particularly the ones against, uh, President, uh, Trump. So while, you know, uh, Bill Clinton was implicated. I, 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 think whatever Bill Clinton's involvement was, he's going to skate. I don't, I don't think the the person making the claims uh, can substantiate them. Um, I think the Prince Andrew thing, I think has been several, uh, settled civilly. So, I don't believe there was ever been a criminal friggin' uh, proceeding on that. Um. So, there, but I, I believe there's basically admission of guilt when you settle out of court, and I know he's been um, relieved. Or even while the queen, the queen was still alive, <laughs> he was uh, relieved of uh, any sort of uh, official royal family status and or function. He it is no longer his job to be a member of the royal family because that's basically what the royal family is. It's a job, apparently. Um, so I might talk about maybe going forward in another show maybe next week uh like I said because I they've been released in waves and I didn't want to uh I didn't want to spend a whole show especially the first real one back um talking about um stuff that uh, may or may not be relevant um there's definitely some sort of black book or something somewhere I don't doubt that uh FC might even have been uh, blackmailing uh, Certain individuals, um, and I don't believe he killed himself, mm-hmm. and neither does his brother. So that's interesting. Uh, let's see. All right. So I was talking about, like I said, and we'll go from from gassing a prisoner to talking about Jeffrey Epstein, who technically is a Jew, but um, I want to talk about. Uh, well, let, let me say this first. You know, I, I have not been creating content uh, in the space that the uh, Hamas attack on Israel and Israel's uh, response uh, by going into Gaza and, you know, doing what they do. I uh, The main reason is is that I, I don't have skin in the game. Uh, it, and I think any rational person who is aware of the history of the... Uh, Palestinian-Israeli conflict, which has been going on pretty much since before Israel was granted uh, status as a country, again, by the United Nations. Uh, It goes back to the uh, British occupation and and the quote-unquote partition of Palestine. Um, It's pretty widely known that I'm definitely anti-Zionist, and I... Still feel reasonably comfortable with the label anti-Semitic. My father's family is Jewish. Um, Technically, ethnically speaking, I'm part Jewish. If there are said genetic markers that would mark an individual as Jewish, I have those markers. Um, I'm uh, sure in some Reformed congregations, I would even be able to be qualified As religiously Jewish, if I chose that to be the case, um, it would never be the case. But if that were the case, um, according to the Jewish religion, the regular non-reformed Jews, I'm not Jewish because my mother was Catholic. My mother was not Jewish. And I was Christened into the Catholic Church. So I remain uh, Catholic to this day. Um, Not practicing in an official capacity, but I consider myself to be Catholic. Uh, That being said... um, I have a long history of, of being anti Semitic, and I am comfortable with the term anti Semitic in this context because um, the uh, Arabs are also Semitic. Uh, they are derived uh, from, the, uh, from the, they're both the children of Abraham. Um, so my attitude is if the children of Abraham wish to murder each other, far be it from me to get in the way. Um, I find it interesting how the left is kind of eating itself with uh its pro-palestinian stance um I just I just sit back and i'm I'm amused i you know it's the loss of life is horrible don't get me wrong i'm I'm not amused by the loss of life per se but um any individual who's gonna say that the Israeli you know the uh, Israel is is guilty of war crimes and murdering X number of, of, of Palestinian children, men, women, and children in regards to the occupation of the Gaza Strip forever would be correct. And the horrendous murdering that occurred uh, in October and the trickles of murder that occurred or have been occurring for the last X number of decades They've been killing each other for decades. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the moral high ground and say that the, Israel has a right to protect itself. Oh, against children. Okay. And I'm going to take the moral high ground and I'm going to say that Israel has been murdering Palestinians for X number. It's bullshit, man. They, they've been fucking killing each other. If the best thing that could happen is they could just wipe each other out and the problem would just go away, you know? um, I give, pretty much a rat's ass as far as well, but they're the only, they're the only democracy in the region. I, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I don't care. Israel could go away tomorrow and I'd be like, alright, next. <laughs> you know, I, would I be celebrating? Uh, no, maybe. I don't know, maybe. I would have a, a corned beef sandwich. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but there are people who thought that I would be a lot more you know, pro Palestinian because I'm so anti-Jewish, but the Palestinians are the other side of the Jewish coin, as far as I'm concerned. The Arabs, in general, are the other side of the Jewish coin. Again, they are children. If if we're going to take the Old Testament, um as a, and this is a whole other conversation that I really do want to have one day, but let's basically assume that we're taking the The Old Testament. Um, The there is no there is no Christianity without without the Jews. Jesus was a Jew, Um, and we'll just leave it at that. Whatever else you take out of it, you know, because a lot of people feel that there's this ginormous disconnect between Yahweh, the Jewish God of monotheism in the Old Testament, uh, which was largely written by Jewish scholars um and um the new testament uh which other than what was written by paul um we can't really cuz paul's books you know the paul's letters are the oldest documents in in the new testament um the rest of the new testament um was not written by the apostles that they are assigned to that they are attributed to uh, most of that stuff was written 30 to possibly a hundred and change years later. Um, and that's the synoptic gospels that, that I refer to. So uh I don't want to get too minutiae about it. So there is basically you could look at Christianity as having diverted from Judaism, just like you could look at uh the idea of uh of Islam having been um kind of while not directly an offshoot of Judaism, Islam, and I'm no fan of Islam, as most people know as well too. And the Muslims, again, when they're fucking savages. And if they're not savages, then, then those who aren't savages stand by and allow savagery to occur. So there's no, I got no soft spots. They're part of the fucking problem. Um, you know, and say what you will about the Jews, they don't, wander around blowing shit up <laughs> you know um well in God they do but you know, <laughs> beyond that um although some people think they're behind nine eleven, which who knows I, I have to delve deeper into the nine eleven conspiracy stuff someday but my point now is, is just that uh Islam and Christianity rely upon the Old Testament to some degree uh, even Islam considers Jesus to be a prophet um and I know a lot of the, the Christian saints are venerated uh, by Islam. Uh, Joseph, uh, the, Jesus' is stepdad, for lack of a better term, it's a whole other conversation. Uh, so anyway, people would have thought that I would have been more anti-Jewish and I'm not any more anti-Jewish than I am anti, anti-Arab anti in this situation, anti-Palestinian. Uh, and I haven't felt the need to really express that too much in my social media. Um, a matter of fact, I've gone out of my way, really, not to. Um, I have this platform, I have my my uh, podcast, uh, to be able to do that uh rather than get into fights with people on know I won't get into fights with people with this because I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> you know, I don't I, I don't even I think I'm gonna close comments. I might even close comments <laughs> on Rumble. I'm not one hundred percent sure how I'm gonna do that. Uh, or if I'm going to do that, but I genuinely do not. This isn't about discourse. This, this this project of mine, this ongoing endeavor. This is about me having a place to talk about what I want to talk about and express how I feel about whatever I feel I want to express something about. It's not, you know. I don't. I don't. In essence, I'm saying I really don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. You know. So why would I? Why would I go out of my way? But um, it's interesting. It's interesting to watch the left and the right go at it over this uh, over this Jew thing. <laughs> yeah, I I, w- I will say this: there's going to come a point in time where, and it's already started to happen, where the world is going to those who aren't already polarized. let me stress that uh, are going to get tired of of uh, Israel and what is perceived to be their inhumane dealings uh with the palestinians in gaza uh it's going to happen you know and and again decisions are going to be made you know opinions are are formed on ignorance you know like i said they've been killing each other forever you know uh one thing that the palestinians have going for them is that the october 9th attacks were like a snapshot and then moved on so people have short memories the way the news cycle works um they're not it they will all they're going to really know is is that the state of Israel continues to persecute the Palestinians in Gaza that's 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 all they're going to know ah uh, because that's ongoing we see that right pretty much every day so the October 9th stuff, I mean, I wish that th- they had released the video that they had from what these fucking savages had done, just so we know that the savagery that Hamas is capable of, um, so that a lot of these lefty Palestinian supporters, uh, particularly women who were raped at, at uh, to the, uh, unbelievable, um, what some, some of these people did. And I, I believe that they did it. I, you know, again, I wish the video had been released. Because there are people like, oh, they didn't do that, that never happened, blah, 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 it's propaganda. I don't doubt that they did. I don't doubt that they did. You know, not one bit. Not one bit. So, that being said, um, I want to talk about the Jewish, uh, the tunnels in uh, in Brooklyn. Because I thought that this was, uh... I got two of them. Um, okay, I'll do the first one first. This is from forward.com. Uh, not just Shabad Headquarters. The Secret Jewish History... Uh, okay, no, wait. I got to do the other one first. It's um, I got that wrong. Sorry. This is from um, Spiked uh, Online. They lean, they're like Libertarian, right? Kind of. You know? So, because there are a lot of... Uh, if you were on social media yesterday, uh, particularly X, uh, and a lot of other places that I go, most people aren't going to like Gab or they're not going to Getter, and I still really like Getter a lot. Um there was a lot of different types of conspiracy theories and anti-Semite comments and things that came out of uh, these tunnels. Uh, the, the, before I read, I'll give a little little synopsis. Apparently, uh, sometime in December, mid-December, um, it was discovered that there were tunnels underneath um, a uh, a shul. Uh, now in New York City, there are a lot of shuls that are houses that are declared religious. Sh- they're shuls. They're places of worship. Uh, I believe they're registered as such, even though they're regular houses. They're households. It's not like a something that was built to be a a, uh, a shul, you know, or a synagogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this particular one happened to be the home of one of the leaders of a particular sect. Uh, and I never say it right, but it's the Shabbat Lubbatures, I believe, and they're Hasidic, it's a Hasidic sect. Mm-hmm. And people come from all over the world, it's a worldwide organization. People come from all over the world to become part of this community, um, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the seventh rabbi, uh, Shmierson, I believe, is the last name, Mendelson. uh, Rabbi Mendelssohn Schmerson, uh, by some people in this sect, particularly younger people as it turns out, they uh, view him as the Jewish Messiah. Now, what does that mean? I just want to take a minute to to pontificate. (laughs) Give me a moment here. I I feel like I'm stoned, but I'm not. I did take my meds, though. I have less and less of them to take, so it's a little scary, but I think the Clondine. Uh, the... I'm going to put in Jewish... Messiah. Okay. And this is very important. Right. This is out of, uh... Friggin' Wikipedia. Okay. The Jewish... The Messiah in Judaism is a savior and liberator figure in Jewish... Uh... Shep-ology, which is Jewish thought, Jewish, you know, for lack of a better term, dogma, belief. Uh, who is believed to be the future redeemer of the Jews? Hmm. The concept of uh, messianism originated in Judaism, and the Hebrew Bra- in and in the Hebrew Bible, a Messiah or king or high priest of Israel, traditionally anointed with holy anointing oil is traditionally knowing the whole However, messiahs were not exclusively Jewish. The Hebrew Bible refers to Cyrus the Great as a messiah and uh Akamend, you say that right, as a messiah uh, for his decree to rebuild the Jerusalem temple. Uh, and that would have been, uh, both of those would have been Persian. Uh, the messiah is a future Jewish king. From, see, and this is where it's really interesting from the Davidic line, but not only from, and when I say Davidic, I mean, descending from King David, uh, but not only Davidic line, but also from the line of uh, Jesus's brother Aaron, from the priestly line. See, um, in the time of Jesus in Jerusalem, and and it's never really portrayed this way in in a lot of things, but um, there was a, Basically, uh, a revolt going on uh, for, of the Jews revolting against Roman rule.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and the term Messiah and what the what they were looking for in a Messiah was someone that was going to uh, free them from the Roman yoke. Right, mm-hmm. and there were messiahs every week. <laughs> there was a new Messiah. And every week, because it was sedition against Rome, the Roman authority, uh, Pontius Pilate included in the Roman authority, because he was the Roman governor, uh, would string them up. They were crucified. They weren't, I don't know if they were all nailed, and where the nails were is also another whole other story in regards to to Jesus, but I I won't get into that. so the Jews were looking for a Messiah. So when they didn't recognize Jesus, it wasn't even a matter of recognizing Jesus as the son of God. Uh they didn't recognize Jesus as that leader who was going to free them from Rome and 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 make Rome leave, make Rome leave uh, Judea or uh, Palestine if you were if you will, so um, the Jews were still waiting for their Messiah. Now, the reason I say this is because uh, the young the, these tunnels that they found in Brooklyn is a great story. These tunnels that they found in Brooklyn uh, underneath this uh, de- it deceased, I might add, although some people claim he's not, which is interesting. Um, this deceased rabbi's house, uh, which is a shul, which is you know place of worship. Uh, were dug by um were dug by young Jewish men who belong to this Jewish sect who believe that this rabbi Mendelssohn Schmerson was the Messiah. Right? And not only um is he was well, the Messiah that they, they believe he it will be resurrected, or some people believe he never even died. There's, there's some, I know I'm moving this thing a lot. Um, so that, I mean, that's just like, wow. (laughs) But anyway, let me read, um, that being the case, that's who dug the tunnels and the police and, uh, and the fire department was called in a couple weeks ago. And it was determined that the tunnels need to be filled in and the regular, um, members of this sect, not the radicalized ones, because apparently it's the radicalized young people who believe that Schmeerson was the rabbi, or uh, what, Rabbi Schmeerson was the Messiah, or is the Messiah. I don't they make this stuff up. Um so the police showed up with a dump truck, apparently, to fill in the tunnels and there was a riot by the students, the young radicalized students, and some of them were arrested and Um, They pulled some stuff out of these tunnels, they pulled uh, a couple of mattresses that were apparently stained with something, and uh, a baby stroller was pulled out of there, and there were all sorts of conspiracy theories that the Jews were torturing babies down there, you know, the fat, making candles out of the fat of unbaptized babies, and, you know, all the the stuff that goes back to the Middle Ages with the Jews, you know. A lot of untrue stuff has been said about the Jews, but the fucking Jews never help themselves. You know, again, the Jew will always fucking, they'll always tell you that he's persecuted, but he'll never tell you why he's persecuted. And that's the God honest fucking truth. Uh, but that being said, let me, um, let me friggin', uh, let me do this. Uh, this is from Spiked, and Spiked uh, leans uh, like libertarian right. So, okay. The myth of Brooklyn's Jew tunnels. Jew, I like saying that. Jew. Jew darn. Uh, Why is so much of the West in the grip of anti-Semitic paranoia?
1: Hmm.
0: And this was written by Brendan O'Neill, chief political writer over at Spiked. So some religious men in New York City dug a hole. I'm sorry, but why is this global news? Why is The Guardian reporting on it? Why was it splashed all over the pages of the mirror and the mail? Why did it trend on social media for hours? Why did it trend on social media? Oh, I did that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I was even WhatsApped video clips of this global non-event. Look, a hole in the ground in New York City. And... I understand that the juggernaut of American culture propelled across earth by social media, makes spectators of us all. To every incident, and idea that unfolds across the pond. But a hole in the ground is a new low, pun intended. Perhaps it's because the hole-digging religious men were, whisper it, Jews. Worse, Hasidic Jews. This is the case, of course, of 770 Eastern Parkway in Crown Heights, Brooklyn home to the Shabbat Lubavitch World Headquarters. This is an insular Jewish or Orthodox Jewish movement. On Monday night, some men were arrested at 770, as the headquarters are locally known, following the discovery of a kind of tunnel, a passage that had been illegally dug under the building. Structural engineers turned up to fill it in. A few young Hasidics got angry with the engineers, and the cops cuffed them. I can see why this is of interest to New Yorkers. It makes perfect sense that it made the pages of the New York press. But why can't I, and this guy is in the UK, um, 3,500 miles away so much as switch on a gadget without seeing breathless commentary on the Hasidic diggers and even feverish talk of Jew tunnels? As far as I can tell, the tunnels were dug by rogue members of the Chabad Lubavitch. It is reported around 50 feet in length and stretches from the 770 synagogue to the men's ritual bath area, which has been closed. Apparently, young renegades dug the hole in a belief that they would uh, enjoy redemption if they followed the command of Chabad Lovitz late rabbi um, Menachem Mendel Schneerson. as I said, to extend the headquarters. That was his command, apparently. Most members of the movement frowned on the tuggle digging. In fact, it was they who reported it to officialdom. A, a spokesman for the Chabad Lovitch branded zealous diggers, A let me make sure I, it's contextually important. A spokesman for the Chabad Lovitch branded diggers, Odious. That's what he called it, Odious. It is a colorful story for sure. If The Atlantic publishes a long-form piece on the doctrinal clashes in this curious community, I'll probably read it. But for it to trend, to make worldwide waves, it's odd to say the least. A clue to this global spread of local religious spat can be found, because it is a spat. Basically, it's a spat between, um, and apparently the whole thing's been in court for like years since this dude died, um, since this rabbi died. Uh, or didn't die, depending upon how you look at it, I suppose. Uh, but um, it, there's question as to who owns the building and what can be done with the building. Um, this is true. This isn't so. So the more uh, mainstream members of this cult, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better word, sect is the word they use. So there's mainstream, and then there's radicalized, and it's the radicalized that dug the tunnels. It's the mainstream that are saying the radicalized are just that radicalized and we don't want to be characterized by their radicalized behavior. How's that? Am I making any sense? I don't really, really. Um okay. A clue to this global spread of local religious back can be found in how it is being talked about. In some circles it is being held up with proof of sneaky, iffy nature of the Jews. Believing there's plenty of other behavior that should people should be Watching out for with the Jews and fucking tunnels under a fucking, you know, under a fucking shore. But anyway, uh, as Rolling Stone says, this hole in the ground has sparked an onslaught of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. The tall tale of a Jew tunnel in New York City hasn't lent itself beautifully and terrifyingly to the conspiracy paranoia that has much of the West in its grip. Uh, which was worsened significantly since the start of the Israeli-Hamas war. Social media outlets are awash with Jew tunnel talk. Every old trope is being vented in the back of the on uh, back of this New York City incident. Key among them is that the tunnel was likely dubbed for the purpose of trafficking kids for sexual abuse. There's not a sliver of evidence for such a prosperous take. Uh, makes no difference. New York City's Jew tunnel has hit had a high chair in it. And one far-right tweeter, as uh, we all know what this means, uh, tweets, we all know what this means. The Jews are brutalizing children again. Um, The footage of stained mattresses seemingly being pulled in the tunnel got anti-Semites salivating. Secret underground tunnels, blood-soaked mattresses, baby strollers, get real strong Simon of Trent vibes here, said a hard-right influencer. That's a reference to the young Christian boy killed in Trento in Italy in 1475, a killing later pinned on Jews, 15 of whom were burnt at the stake. Ancient blood libel given a new lease on life via modern tech. Only where the demonstration of Jews following the murder of Simon were mostly a localized event, that tweet about baby strollers at 770 has been viewed a 100 times. And two million point, a hundred point two million times. We're all village idiots now having Jew hate whispered in our ears. This is great. Uh, it feels pointless to say that no proof of the stain on the mattress was uh, there's no proof that it was blood, or to point out that there have really rarely existed a mattress that didn't have some kind of stain on it. Mm -hmm. Anti Semitic paranoia is notoriously impervious to reason. Even the old vile image of Jews as rats has been rehabilitated through the 770 story. Well, that's been rehabilitated many few uh, like a long time ago if you hang out in some of the places that I do. so it, it may have made it into some tweets and social media stuff that it hadn't been seen in quite some time, but I see that on a regular. Uh, Drain that swamp. Rats must run, said a social media user with 30,000 followers. Images of rats wearing uh, yarmulkes were shared online. Jackson Hinkle, the bigot who's fashioned himself a pro Palestine activist. See, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of anti Semitic, anti Zionist folks now calling themselves Palestinian activists. Oh, the poor Palestinians. Hmm? Anyway, uh, why we were so high? Uh, why were there high chairs and stained mattresses in New York City synagogue tunnels? Uh, this is that uh, Jason Hinkle dude. His sly nod and wink has been viewed two hundred and nine million times. These days, a blood libel travels halfway around the world while the truth is putting its boots on. And what is the truth? It's the small passageway. Even calling it a tunnel is a stretch was done by young hotheads who were later reprimanded by their religious elders. Elders who, according to Ford, ordered the cement truck that filled the passageway in. Facts count for nothing, though the face of good old tunnel conspiracy theory, as Vice reminds us, conspiracy theories about tunnels have radiated onwards from the Middle Ages on. From from anti-Semitic hysteria of old Europe to satanic ritual abuse panic of decades, the dark vision of kids in underground lairs has long been kept kept mad awake at night. Um, there's another striking element to the 770 conspiracy theories. The way they've been weaved together with anti-Israel sentiments, uh, as Rolling Stone reports, some have made false comparisons to Hamas tunnels in Gaza. Apparently, what we have in Brooklyn are Zionist tunnels. Mm. If a stained mattress has been pulled from a tunnel in Gaza, say to 770 obsessives, the Zionists, they mean Jew, would have cited it as proof of rape. This folding together a classical anti-Semitic view that Jews abuse children with modern Israel phobic view that the Zionists are sneaky liars, which they are. Uh, incredibly revealing, it confirms that some old-fashioned racists now see pro-Palestinian activism as a prime outlet for their poisonous bigotry. Um, Are they right to do so? The moral kinship between old-world loathing for Jews and the newfangled loathing for Israel has become crystal clear in recent weeks. Everything they once said about the Jewish people, they are now saying about the Jewish state. Consumed by bloodlust, all-powerful, influential, keening on harming kids, uniquely murderous, it's flat-out undeniable that today's fashionable ill will for the Israel echoes yesteryear's vile ill will for Jews. The classical, excuse me, the classical anti-Semites, the kind referring to Brooklyn Hasidic Hasids as rats, that are likely raping kids, spy a moral advantage in wrapping themselves in the Palestinian flag ought to give serious pause to thoughts on our anti-Israel elites. If you pre-use social media, like you'll see the hard-right bigots denouncing the Jews as the most evil people, and hard-left activists denouncing the Jewish state as the most evil state, and we're meant to believe that these views are entirely morally distinct. That there is no link between them; that one is legitimate prejudice, and the other is legitimate, excuse me, illegitimate prejudice. Hey, corny, corny, corny. One is illegitimate prejudice, and the other is legitimate critique. Please, alongside the 770 hysteria, we've seen Jeffrey Epstein being madly referred to as a Mossad agent who blackmailed the American elite. Yet more stories about Israel soldiers having Palestinian organs. A, sequ- a ceaseless woke focus on Israel's targeting of Gaza children and Christians. And seriously, if this were a question on Jeopardy, would it be, what is anti-Semitism? That's a great little, great little piece there. Um, let's see, is there anything that I want to call story? You know know commented on the back. Uh, watch, I just want to make sure I pulled from there if there's anything I wanted to particularly comment on it's out of, obviously, uh, it's out of control, um, if anything, they were illegally, you know, trying to expand in, in, in a Jew fashion, you know, trying to beat the system by expanding the fucking thing on the ground, you know, uh, and, and I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's much to do about nothing because it's, you know, a little bit of a, gives you a little bit of insight, but, uh. I, I don't think there was anything nefarious going on, <laughs> not for nothing. <laughs> uh, it's the fact that uh, what feeds into my feelings and my my anti-zionism and my anti-Semitism is the fact that they felt that they could do it. because yeah, they're God's chosen people. They could they don't answer to the Glay authority, you know, even though it was illegal to do what they were doing. They didn't consider it to be illegal because, you you know, they just didn't. (laughs) That's it. We're better than you. We're God's chosen people. So, you know, God's chosen to punish his people very many times though, apparently. You know, where was God there in the Holocaust? Hmm? Is precedent, again, with the Jews being carried off to captivity in Babylon or Egypt for that matter. Not for nothing. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, uh, so I want to, I got a little, this is, I want to do this real quick because I thought this was interesting and this connects to the, uh, this is Ford's article, uh, not just Chabad headquarters, the secret Jewish history of secret Jewish tunnels. And this was uh, Camilo uh wrote this, news of secret construction, news Of the secret construction of a tunnel at Chabad's headquarters in Brooklyn Crown Heights neighborhood, complete with images of dramatic scenes of clashes between Chabad students and New York City police officers dispatched to fill in the tunnel has been circulating around the world. And yes, launching new conspiracy theories. Hmm. While the news of the secret tunnel attached to a religious group may seem surprising in 2023, Jewish history has often involved construction of secret tunnels. They help transport resources and have served as important strategic strongholds, hideouts, or means of escape in times of war. Here are some examples of the most fascinating uh, tunnels dug by Jews throughout history. In 700 BCE, that would mean be before Common Era, um, a passageway known as Hezekiel's Tunnel, after the reigning king of Judah at the time of its construction, is dug under the mountain known as Ophel in eastern Jerusalem. The Ophel was naturally defensible from all sides, and, but presented a weakness in the fact that its main source of running water, the oasis of Gihon, was on the summit overlooking the Kurdon Valley. The tunnel connects the spring of Gerhan with the well of Shalom and was intended to serve as an aqueduct to keep Jerusalem supplied with water during sieges, which happened very many times, by the way, particularly during the Crusades. but That's a story for another day. A crucial goal given that Jerusalem was at time anticipating a potential siege of the city by the Assyrians. The tunnel is about 533 meters long and through... And through a difference in height between the two ends of the tunnel, was able to convey water uh, from the oasis to the well. So I guess it was dug at an incline so that the water would run down into the well. Uh, Another tunnel, 66 to 70. uh, And this was, again, common error. archaeological, archaeological, Archaeological excavations that began in 2006 revealed that an ancient that ancient Jews had built a series of chambers and tunnels in the nor- in northern Israel, specifically in the Israeli Arab village of K- Kafar Kana uh, that were used during the first century Jewish uprising against the Roman occupiers as part of a conflict that eventually led to the destruction of the sec- Second Temple in Jerusalem. This was in 66 AD. This was um, uh, in the era of Masada. Um, this is 30 years after Jesus' death where Again, um, the Jewish rebellion, remember that rebellion that I had mentioned during during Jesus' time? Uh, That rebellion had reached a peak. And uh, the uh, Roman emperor sent in uh, shock troops to just totally decimate uh, Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple, um, Solomon's temple. And uh, they uh, exiled um, all the Jews. They said, enough is enough. You guys got to go. And that's where the Jewish diaspora came from. And the rise of rabbinical Judaism... Uh, versus uh, worship at a centralized point, um, meaning Solomon's Temple with the Holy of Holies, which was said to contain the Spirit of God, uh, according to the Jews. Anyway, um, the tunnels joined a series of underground rooms built on their private dwellings and were used for, to both store food and materials for the uprising and, and for shelter during the Roman attacks. 1248. When Christian forces conquered Seville, Spain, Jews were confined to a walled ghetto. Conspiracy theories about Jews escalated during the Black Death culminating in a 1381 pogrom that left approximately 80% of the Jewish population slaughtered. This would be in Seville. Yet, Spanish Jews confined to the ghetto resisted, orchestrating failed revolts and constructing secret tunnels beneath their homes to break out of the ghetto. In 1492, Ferdinand and Isabel ultimately expelled all Jews from Spain, uh, from Spain. Those who would not convert. Many converted and in secret still worshipped uh, Yahweh. Still worshipped. Uh, but a lot were uh, converted. And this is the say, 1492, Ferdinand and Isabel. This was basically the beginning of the Inquisition as we know it. Um, They were the same ones who funded Columbus and his exploration uh, which led to the discovering of the New World. Remember, Columbus was looking for a shortcut to India and stumbled upon the New World. And Columbus never set foot on continental uh, North America, by the way. He, he stayed in the islands in the Caribbean. But uh, that's a story for another day as well. Uh, f- 1941. Yeah, 1941. Subterranean Pultov River in live modern day Ukraine played a crucial role during World War II offering refuge to Jews escaping Nazi occupation. In 2021, explorer Oskarvet Ivana, recruited by the Holocaust survivors, oh, excuse me, guided by a Holocaust survivor's memoirs, discovered a hiding place in the underground river that was used by Jews who tunneled their way out of the ghetto established by the Nazis in the city. Amidst remnant, amidst, Remnants of their clandestine shelter, Einov found relics such as books, jars, and clothes that illustrated the chapter of the river's haunting uh, history. Interesting. 1943. On the night of September 26, 1943, 232 Jews executed a remarkable escape from the ghetto in... Natskava in contemporary Abolaris through a two hundred and fifty meter tunnel they had meticulously dug that led to nearby Nebrov Forest. Nearly one hundred and seventy of the escapees managed to, fight, to survive the Holocaust by joining the Parisian group led by Tuvav Bliski that operated in the forest. The action is regarded by historians and activists as the most significant escape in Nazi occupied Europe. Uh, 1944. A hand dug tunnel was constructed at Polnar, a Lithuanian site, where some 100,000 people were murdered during the Holocaust. The tunnel, the existence of which archaeologists revealed in 2016, was approximately 1,000 feet long and located between five and six. Uh, between five and nine feet below the surface, a group of surviving, a group of eighty surviving Jews, whom the Nazis forced to clean up a mass burial site, knowing that they would only survive so long as their work was not completed, excavated the tunnel to try and escape their fate. Twelve members of the group ultimately managed to escape. Eleven of whom survived the war. Uh, nineteen forty-five to nineteen forty-eight, Zionist youth group built an underground tunnel which was used as a bullet factory near Rihov in central Israel. The site, known as Mekon Alon, was designed to evade detection by the British. That was the British occupation I had mentioned way earlier in the show. It operated between 1945 and 1948 and produced millions of bullets for Zionist paramilitarians. Hmm. 1996. A seemingly innocuous tunnel excavation in Jerusalem ignited a paddle keg of religious and political strife when Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, I always get that wrong, uh, ordered the opening of a tunnel beneath the Old City as a tourist attraction, triggering long simmering tensions between Israeli and Palestinians over the Temple Mount. The tunnel, initially a British era project and later extended by the Israeli Authority, Became a flashpoint symbolic of religious disputes over sacred sites. So now you have it: Jews in tunnels and tunnels and Jews. Yeah, little yarmulkes with little little gas lights on them or little carbon lights on them. Um, uh, what do I got? What do I got? Let's see. Am I done? I think I might actually be done. You got that one. Uh, do I have anything? No. What am I got? About an hour government theories uh yeah i'm tired and this one's i was going to do an hour and it it turned into like an hour an hour 45 so um i think i've uh i think i've done enough for one week uh i guess um i'd like to thank y'all for uh for tuning in again uh i never take it for granted um especially being gone and, and not being consistent in, in, in creating content, uh, you lose people. You know, I've noticed I've already gotten email from people uh, who uh, managed to catch um, last week's uh, podcast and were glad that I was back. And I didn't even have the email. And they were I guess people check sites. I guess people do check my website uh, on a weekly basis just to see if there's anything there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> uh, that being said, I'm gonna upload the audio from this uh to my website, and I'm gonna upload the video uh to Rumble, so uh, all that will be uh, available to uh to those who wish to buy by their audio video. Uh, it's been fun. Uh, it's been an, it was an interesting week, so there was plenty to talk about. Um, I can't guarantee that every one of these is going to be an hour and change, almost two hours, but uh, I can guarantee that there will be something every week. Um, I'm gonna over the weekend I'm going to try and get into the the shed so there'll be shed updates we'll refer to them as shed updates uh, in regards to uh, pulling equipment out and uh, seeing uh, how quickly I can get that studio rebuilt Uh, I'm going to have to do something about a green screen too it's very weird for me to be doing anything without my website behind me you know I I have not done that in years quite frankly Uh, and my website will be back at some point (laughs) But we'll consider these the uh, we'll refer to these as the lost shows <laughs> when I'm back up and running in my in my studio and I have my website behind me. Mean, I'm using my SLR and I have a real microphone, and these will be referred to as the lost shows. Uh so I'm gonna get out of here. Um and uh I'll see y'all next week. Bye. <laughs>
1: You've been listening to the Midwood Files on Radio New York International. Thanks for listening.